Hello, welcome to Central Valley Physicians Podcast. My name is Nicole Butler, and I'm with Fresno Madera Medical Society. Today we have John Granito here, and he is the Dean of California Health Sciences University, our osteopathic school here in Fresno and Clovis. Um, welcome, doctor. Thank you so much for having me. So our topic today is to really talk about the difference between a doctor that has an MD after his name or a DO after his name, and they're very um, distinct in their in their own ways. But um, Dr. Granito here is a DO, so we're going to really talk about DO and how that compares to the MD. So let's get started. So what would be the easiest way to define the difference between MD versus DO? The, f- the first thing is the most obvious, and that's the degree initials that we have. We are a DO, so that means we graduated with a Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine degree. There's about 150 medical schools in the United States that grant the MD degree, and there's about 35 to 40 osteopathic schools that grant the degree DO. Okay. Both are fully licensed physicians in the United States. I know when... I see a DO or an MD behind the doctor's name. That's a doctor. But somebody that would would first see a DO, what would you say would be the the key indicator of difference between an MD? I think the the difference would be the training that the the two individuals received prior to going into practice. And so the major differences are that osteopathic curricula in medical schools were born out of the tradition of Uh, focusing on proper body structure leading to proper body function. And as that has grown over the years, osteopathic curriculum has become more and more like traditional MD curriculum with a few distinct features. One is the osteopathic physician still has some roots in their training of manual medicine or hands-on for both diagnosis and treatment to the patient, as well as a more philosophic, more holistic approach towards the philosophy of taking care of the patient and some uh, focus on more primary care or more holistic approach towards taking care of the patient. Okay, so when you say hands-on approach, is that more um, uh, like adjustments or so similar to chiropractic but not that way. Some some people would make that analogy. Uh, yes, the, the concepts are similar in the fact that hands-on in uh, manipulation of the spine and joints would affect proper body structure. Not every treatment, osteopathic treatment per se, is similar to what you're making the analogy of a chiropractic treatment, but there are some similarities in the approach towards proper body structure. Not all osteopathic physicians continue to use that portion of their training uh, in their day-to-day practice, but many do. So some patients may seek out a chiropractor for manual adjustments of the spine, and some patients may seek out an osteopathic physician who does, in fact, specialize in manual medicine and adjustments of the spine joints, etc. Okay. So in a way that a DO would have additional training because of that manipulation piece of it. That portion of the curriculum is an additional piece. Uh, So all of the same things that are taught in MD school are taught in osteopathic school with the additional components of that structural manipulation of the spine and joints, yes. Okay, 
Okay. So you mentioned um, that they also, some, some may practice a more of a holistic approach to medicine as well. Can you kind of, is that, addition, is that training that they're getting or this is just something that they, they study out, not outside of their training, but in addition to what would be their traditional um, DO training? Yeah, I think it goes back to the philosophical approach to how the curricular was set up in the in many, many years ago. Rather than focusing on organ systems or specific diseases, osteopathic curricula were set up to focus on the patient first. And their uh, holistic approach towards the patient means understanding completely why the patient is there, not just there for the specific disease that they came for. So that's part of the philosophy. The the philosophy that's injected into the curriculum from day one. Okay. So when somebody is in um, an osteopathic medical school, is what's the difference as far as their, their schooling? Yeah, the schooling is, again, very similar to MD schooling in the sense that we both learn anatomy, we both learn microbiology. The additional components of the manual medicine course is actually usually a a distinct course separate from the other curricular components. And then the overall approach towards the curriculum is, is integrating all of that together so that in the same course that an MD might be looking to examine the heart with the stethoscope, the osteopathic medical student would be examining the heart with the stethoscope in addition to observing the structural component of that patient's thoracic spine. Oh, okay. Interesting. The, 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 the length of the medical school between the two are the exact same. They're not, you know, they're not taking an 18 month, you know, speed course, right? They're, they're in medical school the same amount of time as if you were in a um, MD school. That's correct. So uh, traditional medical schools, both MD and DO, have usually the first two years of basic foundational sciences, and then the second, uh, uh, the third and fourth year are made up of clinical rotations. And that, that four years defines the scope of medical school for both MDs and DOs in a similar path. And the reason is because we have the same milestones of taking board exams and the same milestones of entering the residency match program at the end near graduation, et cetera. So uh, from start to finish, the same four-year time frame for both DOs and MDs, yes. Okay, so you bring up another good question. What about their board exams? Are they taking the same board exams as an MD or the same or different? So that's a good question because in the initial historical uh, uh, roots of osteopathic medicine, DO students were not allowed to take MD boards, and so the osteopathic profession developed their own set of boards. Uh, Currently, they're called COMLEX, C-O-M-L-E-X, COMLEX, the COMLEX exams. And so the COMLEX exams look very similar to the MD's uh, USMLE exams uh, with some additional questions and some additional integration of osteopathic uh, philosophy and structure in those exams. As we fast forward to the current day, uh, DO students are, in fact, eligible to take the USMLE in addition to the COMLEX so that they can have a fair uh, judgment against their MD counterparts when it comes time to look at scoring for residency match opportunities. But the, the exams are given at the same time frame, the same milestones along the way in the curriculum, and, in fact, they cover 
essentially the same material. There's only one way to ask how many chambers are in the heart. There's only one way to ask what are the stages of hypertension that need to be treated with certain medications, etc. So they are very similar with some unique features uh, having to do with the osteopathic curriculum. Okay. So most of your students that you're seeing are taking the US MLE? All of, the, all of the osteopathic students have to take the COMLEX exam as a requirement for graduation. Mm-hmm. Many will additionally opt to take the USMLE. Okay, so they're actually in taking addition. two. They might choose to take two. Okay. Recall that the board exams were never designed, ever designed, to be a marker of intelligence towards residency match. They're solely designed to grant state licensure. So each individual state has to give a physician their license when they graduate. That The state requires a board exam to prove that you've graduated with sufficient knowledge to be safe enough to grant a license to practice medicine in the state. That was the original reason the board exams were invented. And so DO students took their version of the exam in order to get their license and MD students took their version of their boards to take to get a license to practice when they were done. Over the years, residency program directors have usurped that uh, the reason for those boards to exist in order to use it as a surrogate marker for intelligence in order to grade uh, gradiate students how towards a, a residency. Yeah. So how do they choose them? Do you think that um, residency programs will start? viewing or start watching the DO tests eventually? Yeah, so over the years, many residency program directors have come to understand the, the value of the COMLEX exam, and they understand what the equivalent score would be, and especially if they have a school where they've taken several students from that school into their residency program, they begin to know what a high score okay. of the COMLEX is and what a lower score is. Some residency program directors are very familiar with that and others are, are completely uh, unknowledgeable uh, of that, uh, sim- uh, the, the way to compare the two. Um, and it also varies from specialty to specialty. So we find some specialty residency program directors are very familiar with the COMLEX and other specialties seem to be less uh, um uh, aware of the COMLEX's uh, uh, scale compared to USMLE, or they're not interested in in, in uh, using that as a marker for residency applicants. So the most important thing I'm hearing here with this is that both DO and MD are licensed by the same state board, regardless of their title? Well, that's a good question, too. <laughs> in fact, in California, we do have two separate uh, board licensing boards. So there's a California Medical Board, and there's the Osteopathic Medical Board of California. So there are really? two distinct boards in the state of California. One gives MDs their right to practice medicine, and one gives DOs their right to practice medicine. I should probably know that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but, I in, see but in other states, they are the same, the same board. So it varies from state to state. So, But when I've looked at physicians on the California Medical Board, I have found DOs there. No? You may have been looking them up in their um, specialty websites, maybe. No. Okay, now I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I'll have to go yeah, back and take we'll a look. We'll have to go back and look at that. Because when, when a physician comes into the medical society, we check their, their make sure they're licensed. We like to have licensed physicians as a part of the medical society. But I, I could be wrong. 
and and they could extract data because they have a new system too. They could extract data from those other um, sites because it you know brings in the nursing, it brings in the. Um, Yes. So the state does. Yes. The database it merges, merges from together. all okay, the boards so I, together. Okay. So I'm not yes. losing it then. You okay, are not but losing you, it then. But they're still cert- they still have their medical license under the osteopathic. Yeah. It's a different group collecting our fees. We know that for sure. We write a check to a different organization. Right. Yeah. Okay. So interesting that they have two different medical boards. Now, do they track the same things as as the California Medical Board? Because I know that there's a, um, you know, you you mentioned that you pay fees to a different association and the medical board tracks pretty much everything a doctor does, complaints and such. Does that, is that the same case with the osteopathic? Yeah. So if you look at the constitutional uh, rights of a state, the state has the responsibility to protect the public. And so the state of California uh, regardless of which board we pay our fee to, is responsible f- to collect our disciplinary actions against us, whether we're up to date on our continuing medical education, whether we've actually graduated from a medical school, is our sub- is our specialty boards up to date, et cetera. Yes, we track the uh, exact same metrics to make sure the physician is qualified. Okay. Okay, so w- the physicians are out of medical school. They're applying for residency can a DO apply for any type of residency out there? Yes, in fact, uh, all of the residency programs in the United States are accredited by the same national organization, and any MD or DO can apply to any residency program of any specialty in the United States. Okay, interesting. I think with you know knowing a lot of the physicians in Fresno through the Medical Society, I do see more DOs coming up as as physician members than I had in the past. Is this due to the growth of so many osteopathic schools in the country? Yeah, I think relative to the MD world, the osteopathic profession is is a little bit younger in its in its growth. Uh, now there are currently three osteopathic schools in California, and so we'll be seeing more and more graduates coming from uh, the three osteopathic schools in California if they if they stay here. And this isn't your only source, right? There are also uh, uh, people coming, uh, moving to the state of California from uh, other states, and that's also an increase in osteopathic schools in other states. So yes, we are seeing more and more graduates of osteopathic programs. So when somebody sees, you know, they're looking at doctors that they potentially want to go see, is there any reason why they shouldn't consider looking past the the DO or the MD on the back of it? Because I think that, you know, there's a lot of unknown when it comes to DO. Um, Patients don't know what that stands for. Well, I'm certainly biased in my answer, and the short answer would be they they shouldn't make that uh, discriminatory uh, decision. When when people choose to go to see a physician, they probably use a lot of different metrics in their mind about what medical school did the person go to or how old they are, maybe uh, are they the same gender or of the same ethnic background as the patient. Some of those are very important to patients when they seek out, for instance, a primary care physician or a specialist they're getting referred to. If you think about when you're in the hospital setting, uh, especially if you go to the emergency room or if you go to uh, an inpatient hospitalist service, you may 
really not have a choice in the physician you're seeing, neither by their degree initials or for any other metric that you might be using. So um, there'd be no ability to discriminate based on uh, your degree in those settings. But yes, if you opened the yellow pages or if you saw an advertisement for a new uh, physician in town, you might uh, wonder all sorts of questions about what was their background or where they went to school or how smart they were when they took their board exams. I hope nobody gets that detailed. <laughs> At least I don't think I would ever find it. You know, did you pass medical school? Yeah, okay, we're good. Um, what else, is there anything else you'd want to tell me that that you think is different or that dis- is distinctive to a DO? I think overall the profession might have a slightly different bend in the fact that we tend to uh, promote curricula and therefore graduates that are more interested in primary care. So we may graduate a higher proportion of uh, physicians who enter primary care pro, uh, residency programs, and we may graduate a, a cohort of physicians that may have more of an interest in preventative medicine, uh, wellness issues, nutrition, things that are more uh, preventative in their approach towards health rather than reactionary disease-treating um, approaches towards healthcare. Now, that's not to say every DO would have that philosophical approach, and that's not to say MDs don't also have that. It's just the, the, the proportion of graduates leaning in that direction seems to be a little bit higher in an osteopathic medical uh, graduate, graduating class. Okay, interesting. So once again, I'm going back to my statement saying that, that these doctors that are being trained in an osteopathic medical school are getting just a little bit more training and focusing more on the general well-being and preventative piece of it than uh, and MDs. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Um, and, and we try not to compare ourselves by saying uh, the other group doesn't do those things. Right, because you're always going to have those ones that do, yeah. Exactly. We always are going to have that. And, and we're also going to have osteopathic graduates who don't lean in that direction, who don't choose primary care, who don't necessarily focus on preventative medicine. But in general, the curriculum in the school is designed to push students in that direction. Uh, and I think that's the additional piece you're thinking, uh, you're quoting. Uh, and I think that could be considered an additional piece, or it could just be the flavor of which the curriculum is leaning. Do you think that students, so, um, undergraduate students looking to go to a medical school, choose an osteopathic program because of that? That's a great question. And if you look at the admissions data for osteopathic schools, you find um, uh, uh, three cohorts, uh, uh, one third, uh, sorry, uh, one one portion of the of the group that's chosen osteopathic medicine for those specific reasons. They seek out the additional curricula components of preventative medicine, focus on primary care, emphasis on proper body structure. You'll find another chunk of medical students who didn't really know the difference when they first started applying and just kind of discovered it. And you find another group of students who didn't really care which type of medical school they got into. They were just excited to get into a medical school. And, th- and those three components of uh, 
osteopathic medical classes are 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 very visible as as classes progress through the curriculum. Right. So I can probably guess which ones continue to be that more um, holistic or more preventative approach to medicine once they're done. I bet you it's that first group that, yes. <laughs> that are going after that DO. That's exactly right. And, yeah. and, and what's interesting is it's also based on who their pre-med advisor was mm-hmm. when they were an undergrad. So if they go to an undergraduate school where their pre-med advisors or faculty don't also don't know much about osteopathic medicine or aren't comfortable with it, or aren't familiar with it, or have some preconceived notions based on the historical past, you'll find students not interested in osteopathic medicine because they don't know anything about it from those schools. We have other feeder schools, we call them feeder schools in California, where where, uh, osteopathic medicine is promoted equally with other health professions as possible career options for all of their undergraduate students. Interesting. Yeah, and I get that. I see more and more as I talk to, um, to medical students that their advisor plays a very, very large part in their decision to where to apply for medical school and residency. Yes, we find advisors, uh, family members, and interestingly enough, the the student's own physician are the influential people in making those those choices. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, well, is there anything else you'd like to add, or something that I'm forgetting to to ask you when it comes to um, an osteopathic physician? I think we'll have more and more graduates entering the osteopathic, uh, graduating from osteopathic schools and entering the job market. And the growth of osteopathic medicine has been on a slightly higher uh, slope uh, and trajectory than the growth of MD schools around the country. And so people will begin to see more and more DOs uh, with their degree initials after their name tag, uh, whether they sought them out in the first place or they randomly saw that in the hospital when they ran into physicians. I think we'll see more and more osteopathic physicians and it will become uh, more and more well known. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to see a lot more here in the future in Fresno, which is great. We're glad we're glad California Health Sciences University is here and we're excited for the medical students to stay in the community and continue treating patients and, and the future of medicine here. We know that uh, the predictors of where physicians end up practicing is based on one of three factors, where they're from, where they went to medical school, or where they did residency. If you combine any of those three take any two of those together, the the chances of that physician practicing in, in the area uh, just skyrockets. And so we're hoping to capture all three of those features by uh, uh, getting students from the area, having them go to school in the area, and having them do their residency in the area. Interesting. Well, I hope it, I hope it, uh, I'm sure it'll work out. I'm excited for it. And um, we'll have to get you back in here and, and start talking about some of the students and, and really tracking that month. You know, that's one of the things we started doing here with our, <clears throat> excuse me, our scholarship foundation as I try and keep in touch with as many students as possible because I want to know what, where they land. And after medical school, if they don't keep in touch with me, I don't know. So it's been very interesting. Yeah, at the end of the day, this is all for better patient care and better access to patients. If we look at the Fresno-Madera region, the, the access to care is uh, lowest 
uh, one of the lowest areas in the state of California. So presumably the richest state in the nation has one of the lowest uh, proportions of access to care for, for uh, physicians to patient ratio. And so if we can start to flip that ratio in this region, that uh, serves us all well by increasing access to care for patients. And that's really, at the end of the day, what we're all here for. Yep, true. Very true. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming. And um, I'm sure we'll hear back from you soon. Thank you. It was fun to be here. <laughs>